0: SEC, SEC, SEC Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like
1: every day The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3.
2: Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame on Radio Rope for SEC Media Days. Day number three has arrived. Kirby Smart and the defending national champion Bulldogs will be taking the stage today as will Arkansas and others. Woo! Wednesday's here. Also means foodie poll question of the week. We'll get to that as well. We got a jam packed show for you today. Lots to get to. Major League Baseball All Star game. Good news involving Lance McCullers. Another arm coming back into the rotation for the Houston Astros. A busy day for Cajuns, Cowboys, and Tigers regards to the Major League Baseball draft, which wrapped up yesterday as well, and of course, wall-to-wall media day coverage. We got a great lineup of guests for you today. I told you yesterday that I got with Jack Besh, former STM Cougar and current star LSU wide receiver, was able to sit down with him on Radio Row earlier this week. We're going to play that interview for you this morning. That's going to be coming up at 7.15 at 7.30. Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, will be joining us from the SEC Network about the state of college football and, in particular, the SEC. At 8.02, Ryan McGee of Marty and McGee. ...on ESPN and the SEC Network will join us to talk Southeastern Conference. Maybe even a little NASCAR. You never do know what's going to happen there. At 8.15, Gary Stoken, the Peach Bowl CEO. They have two kickoff games this year with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl kickoff. Not one, but two. Plus, of course, the Peach Bowl itself. We talked to Gary Stoken a few years ago. We'll do so again today... That'll be coming up at eight fifteen, and then at eight thirty. I told you it was jam packed. Chrissy Freud from Sports Illustrated. She covers Mississippi State. She also does profiles and analysis on quarterbacks for the NFL. That'll be coming up this morning as well. So, jam packed edition of RP Three and Company on this hump day edition of our show as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame, of course. Just because we have a slew of guests does not mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on what you've heard, what you've seen from SEC Media Days. You got questions for me about what I've seen and heard here? Feel free to give us a holler on the hotline. But let's start off today talking a little bit about what happened yesterday. Yesterday was Alabama Day here at SEC Media Days. And it's different when the Crimson Tide roll through here. The first day, always exciting. And LSU has typically been on the first day here in recent memory. So there's always a buzz. You get to hear from the commissioner. Everyone's here trying to get settled in along Radio Row or just in the massive media room a floor below us on the floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. So there's a lot of buzz and excitement. But that gets ratcheted up on day two because Nick Saban and company are coming. We even found the Alabama fans, not as many as they are when we're doing this in Hoover, but they were here. And Bryce Young, Tim Anderson, and company walking around along Radio Row, You could argue, and the discussion has been had a lot during the week, and I've asked a couple of my guests, this: is Will Anderson the best player in college football? And the answer you're looking for is yes. He's also massive, like a massive human being. You go, what? You look at him, you're like, that's a massive man. I'm scared already. But it was great to see kind of the buzz, the excitement, uh, everyone uh, scuttling around for them. And then yesterday, in addition of having Alabama here, we had the Mad Pirate. Mike Leach was here. Always enjoyable to hear from him. We'll have a couple of player interviews with Mississippi State players on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. That'll be played later on today. Mississippi State, they may be the surprise team. Talked a lot about that with folks on and off the air around here. It's year three of Leach in Stark, Vegas. Typically, his teams take a leap in year three. They did so at Texas Tech. They did so at Washington State. He's got the quarterback. Lots of buzz around here about him possibly being the second best quarterback in the conference. Could Mississippi State play spoiler and catch some folks sleeping this year? That was kind of what was gathered yesterday here at SEC Media Days. Saban was asked a slew of different questions, as you can imagine. And when you go to these media day events, sometimes the questions are what we call ridiculous. (laughs) He was asked about how would you properly, uh, what type of advice you would give uh, to student reporters. And he's like, I'm not really qualified to speak on that. (laughs) And he's just like, You never do know what you're going to get. But as much buzz as Saban and company had with Nick being in the building and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and uh, the best player in college football, walking around the Hall of Fame, and then Mike Leach, always wildly entertaining, as he always knows how to put on a show and give you interesting answers, right? You open up the question, you give him one question, and he's going to talk for 10 minutes. That's just how Leach is built. That's how he's always been built. But the thing that got a lot of buzz yesterday was the new Vanderbilt coach, Clark Lee, and the bold statement he made while up on the podium addressing the media. Clark Lee is undeterred by last season's 2-10 and overall record for the Commodores. Which was the program's eighth consecutive season finishing below 500. Vanderbilt has long been the doormat in the SEC when it comes to college football. Now, they have great success when it comes to men's basketball program. They've had great success there. Perennial NCAA tournament team, NIT team. And of course, their baseball program is one of the best in the country, as we noticed with the Major League Baseball draft and how many players were selected that were either committed to Vanderbilt or had played for Vanderbilt. But they've never been able to figure it out on the football field. James Franklin had a few okay seasons where they were a bowl team, but Vandy's just never been able to figure it out. Don't tell that to Clark. Because Clark said, we know in time Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. Okay. Got to respect it. Got to respect his confidence. Got to respect the fact that he believes in his process, that he believes that they can turn things around and make them into one of the best programs in the country. Now, what does one of the best programs in the country mean in Vanderbilt terms? Does that mean being above 500? Does that mean going to the Sun Bowl? What does that mean? Don't quite know. But the fact that he wants to build something there, got to give him credit there for wanting to be positive, wanting to be optimistic, if you will, about his program. But that said, Vanderbilt? <laughs> not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Second season as head coach. First season, as I said, 2-10. in 10. And he did send, spend three seasons as the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, of course, under new LSU head coach, Brian Kelly. And uh, he went on to say, quote, we are engaged in what has become unique form of team building. We are a relationship-driven, student-athlete-focused program that values the holistic development of our people over all else. To us, this isn't an antiquated concept, it still matters when you do the right things the right way with the right people with respect and appreciation, you will not be denied. Once again, love the message, love the optimism, love the approach. But does Clark Lee understand he's at Vanderbilt? This college football has become an arms race of Who can stockpile as many recruits as possible? And NIL is a huge part of that. Who's ponying up the dough to get kids to come to Vanderbilt? One. Two, you have the academic requirements at Vanderbilt that always kind of handcuffs it from getting some of the best prospects in the country. Love the optimism. Love the enthusiasm. Eh, a little bit delusional. A little bit delusional. But that kind of stole the show later in the day. Today, once again, defending champs Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs will be taken to the stage. Florida, that's right, new head coach Billy Napier. We know him and love him from Lafayette from his time spent as the Raging Cajuns head coach. Kentucky, Mark Stoops will be on there as well. And Arkansas with Sam Pittman. So a great slate of coaches to hear from and players to hear from today here at SEC Media Days. Tomorrow, it'll get closed out with Auburn. AM and will help us bring it home, so to speak, in Tennessee. So, Auburn, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Jimbo's actually closing things out here at SEC Media Days. Our coverage here all week has been brought to you by our friends at Border Lawn Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. Look, they got the Power Recliner on sale all month, $6.99. That's it. Power Recliner all month. Go visit one of their showrooms. That way you can have that addition to your man cave and be able to watch your games this fall in comfort. They're also your local tempur dealer. So go check out Border Lawn Furniture, our title sponsor for our SEC Media Days coverage here on RP3 and Company, as well as Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, and of course, and also a big shout out to Acadiana Bar and Grill, one of the best places for nightlife in Acadiana for also serving as a sponsor here for RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. When we return from the show, as we broadcast from Radio Row is... More and more broadcast teams come to get set up to start their broadcast of the day. We will unveil the foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Just because we're out of town doesn't mean that we're not going to have it. As well as recap Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That's all coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104 One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
1: RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big, ball beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar & Grill.
2: You can score a brand new Apple Watch. That's right. Just simply send a text message, and that's how you can score a brand new Apple Watch. The game 1037 three seven Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our new text club. Simply text game to three three seven two eight three eight one zero zero. That's game to three three seven two eight three eight one zero zero. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand-new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, station swag, and more. It's the Games Text Club. Once again, text the word GAME to 337-283-8100. That's the GAME to 337-283-8100. You can find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Major League Baseball Midsummer Classic wrapped up last night with the All-Star Game. The American League wins for the ninth year in a row. And what was interesting to me, because I'm not a Los Angeles Dodgers fan, it's the first All-Star Game in like 40 years there. It's bizarre to me how they haven't had the All-Star game, the Midsummer Classic, in Los Angeles at Dodgers Stadium in forty-two years. Crazy. And look, this was a game that featured some sentimental favorites, right? Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera were got in there for the last time, their last seasons as in the in the show. Clean Kershaw, more than likely his last time as an all-star. As he's going towards the back end of his career. But the American League ends up winning it 3-2. to two, ninth straight All-Star victory. And 21st in the past 25 All-Star games that the ALs defeated the National League. NL jumps out early to a 2-0 lead. But the American League comes back. Giancarlo Stanton hits a two-run blast. And Byron Buxton... Hits the go ahead home run. They hit those back to back jacks off Tony Gosselin of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were moon shots to like 450 feet. It was absolutely ridiculous. Game started off somewhat funny, right? Otani gets a hit uh, off of Kershaw, but then Kershaw picks him off at first and gets and gets out of the jam, which was kind of funny. And there's Lots of smiles, lots of uh, laughing. They had a lot of players miked up throughout the game, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the problem is is that when you have the announcers trying to ask them questions, but then they're trying to be focused on the game, and then there's just moments of silence. But still kind of interesting to kinda get a behind-the-scenes look, so to speak, of what's going on during a game. So, all-star game. In the books. Now you can turn your attention to the second half of the season for the Strohs. That begins with a doubleheader against the Yankees on Thursday. We'll have game one of that doubleheader right here on the game on Thursday tomorrow. That means no Jordy Holberg show. Blom Bomber gets an extra day off. And then afterwards, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will take over to close out our coverage here at SEC Media Days tomorrow. The second game of that twin bill against the Yankees, which, once again, is due to rescheduling, will be heard on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. Then, it's two series against the Seattle Mariners for the Houston Astros. And the Mariners are the hottest team in baseball, winners of 14 straight. They have trimmed the Astros' lead down to nine games in the American League West standings. They sit atop the standings for the wild card, and they have a lot of young talent. And the Mariners have played the Astros better than anyone else this season. Uh, the Strohs went 7-2 and two against the New York teams in that nine-game stretch a few weeks ago. They're hundred against the Mariners. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way because those two series against the Mariners are going to go a long way to determine the AL West, and they're going to be done this month. After the month is over, they won't face the Mariners again, the Astros. They won't. So this is going to be key for both teams. So those are going to be a great doubleheader on Thursday tomorrow and then two great series against the Mariners the rest of the month for the Houston Astros as they'll get back to action tomorrow. Everyone has to day off. That's kind of a buffer day from the All-Star game. And then teams will get back into action tomorrow on Thursday. Great news for the Houston Astros. Lance McCullers got a good report on him. It appears that he's starting to make progress, gearing up for his first rehab start. Mark Berman of the Houston Chronicle reported on this yesterday, last night, saying that Lance McCullers Jr. will make his first rehab start in in his process to return to the rotation. He'll do so on Friday in San Antonio for the Corpus Christi Hooks. He's scheduled to work two innings, so it's a slow process. It's going to take time, Astros fans. But it sure does look like Lance McCullers Jr. is on his way of rejoining this rotation probably within the next month. And then your rotation that consists of Verlander, Valdez, which are both all-stars, Jose Arquidi, Christian Javier, Jay Cotarizzi and so forth, just will add yet another legitimate frontline starter to the mix. So the rich get richer in that regard. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, who gets pushed out of the rotation. Maybe one of those guys gets traded to pick up a backup outfielder, or one of them gets pushed to the bullpen. And not to mention, the best pitcher in minor league baseball, Brown, who is just dominating AAA baseball, Yet to be called up. So they still have him as well that they can rely on. So good news for the Astros is they're going to look to begin the second half of the season strong. They'll do so with a doubleheader twin bill against the New York Yankees. Foodie poll question of the week is always our poll question of the day. Every Wednesday here on RP3 and Company. And just because we're in Atlanta, it's going to be no different Our poll question of the day, what is your go-to road trip snack? I packed up all my snacks, made the trip from Lafayette all the way over here to Atlanta, about nine hours, had to have some stops along the way. What's the go-to snacks? Do you go and get yourself at the convenience store at the gas station, the the, the sugary sweets, the candies, or do you go with the chips? Or do you go with my go-to, which is always beef jerky? We want to hear from you with our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to road trip snack? Is it chips? Is it jerky? Is it candy? Or is it other write-in votes are welcome? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Now, leading the vote, it's early, of course, but leading the vote. 38% of you say beef jerky, 24% say other, 23% say candy, and 15% of you say chips. We already have some comments on the poll question of the day. Hart says, breaking news, I found out Leonard Fournette listens to 103.7 The Game for the Foodie Poll questions of the week. Oh man, Boogie is apparently not doing well in Tampa or enjoying his offseason a little too much because reportedly Leonard Fournette has is, is, uh, bloomed up to about my size. Reports are saying that he reported to camp uh, for the Bucks or for offseason workouts weighing 260 to 265 pounds. He's a running back, and he weighs that much. And reports are the Tampa Bay Bucks are not happy with the former LSU star running back for uh, putting on the pounds in the offseason. John Paul Gates, Daddy says on Twitter, "Sunflower seeds. Ooh, that's a good one. Keeps you safe. No reaching into a bag, so keep both hands on the wheel." Good morning. That's a good, good comment, John Paul. Ralph on Twitter says, "Just depends on the route. Usually chips, but if there's a Bucky's along the way, all bets are off." Hashtag the Beaver Nuggets. Yeah, Bucky's. That's the go-to, right? That's a good. It's it's become. It's so weird to me that a a truck stop uh, uh, has become like this roadside attraction for folks where they go take pictures with the Bucky mascot and you go in there and you buy everything you can buy stuffed animals for the kids you can get t-shirts you can buy homemade fudge uh, all types of food and beverages you can buy yourself a grill you need a pop-up tent Bucky's has it as well it's become just this huge attraction. So keep voting on the poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to road trip snack? Some good comments so far early on. Right now, Beef Jerky's leading the way with 38% of the vote. Right now, though, we got to take a timeout here on RP3 and Company. When we return, we're going to hear what Nick Saban and Mike Leach had to say yesterday during day two of SEC Media Days here inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: This is Brent Musferger's... Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Today is the last day if you want to score yourself some Houston Astros tickets for that series against the Seattle Mariners later this month. Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark for the game on January 30th versus the Mariners and the Astros. And we'll even throw in hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. But you can only win this Astros Weekend Getaway by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037 gamecom or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today, it's free to do so. Astro Weekend Getaways are p- powered by Butcher AC. Le Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And time is running out. Today will be the final day to be able to have a chance to score this Astros weekend getaway. Yesterday, Nick Saban, Mike Leach were among the stars to take the stage for SEC Media Days. And we're going to hear from them now. Plenty things to cover here. And, like I said, sometimes they get asked ridiculous questions. Sometimes they get asked really good questions. And Nick Saban was asked a slew of them, and he had some pretty good answers here. You know, he has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young, who was brought to SEC media days and came down radio row and whatnot. You know, he won the Heisman last year. They advance all the way to the national championship game. They come up short. You know... What about the young man who's now back, who's going to be leading the Crimson Tide offense? This is what his head coach had to say about what he brings to the table.
3: Bryce was an outstanding player, you know, in high school. I think they won a state championship, lost the state championship in the, in the finals. But, you know, he was very productive, very collected in how he sort of led his team and the choices and decisions that he made and played the position – a lot like a point guard in terms of, you know, how he distributed the ball in the right places to the right people at the right time and very accurately. And, you know, he's got all the right stuff when it comes to the kind of competitor he is, the kind of preparation that he does, the work ethic that he has to continue to try to improve. So I can't say enough good things about the kind of player he was in high school and his attitude about how he's developed you know as a college player.
2: So obviously his approach fits the Saban model, right? And I'll say this, the impression I get talking to folks that are close to the team that cover Alabama, being humbled and embarrassed by Georgia in the national championship game has completely fueled their offseason. Bryce Young has put in the work to get even better. Anderson's put in the work to get even better they're going to have a bit of their chip on their shoulder now the schedule does them no favors there are some games on there that are going to be immensely difficult but that said I'd expect a really focused and determined Alabama squad this year led by their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback now defensive backs you know Alabama produces them Maybe not at the same clip as, say, LSU does for the DBU moniker, but they send a lot of guys to the NFL. And every year they lose guys, just like LSU does, right? Well, and this year they have a talented group of defensive backs. Just so happens also includes Eli Ricks, former LSU starting cornerback, who transferred over to Alabama. And this is what Saban had to say about his secondary.
3: Well, I think that's a work in progress. You know, Kool-Aid is – been injured uh, Kyrie was injured so those guys have had limited work from spring practice you know until now uh, Eli Ricks is a guy that started in this league and he has to you know sort of prove that he has a good understanding of what we want to want him to do and how we want him to do it and why it's important to do it that way but I do think that those guys those three guys as development is going to be critical to you know, the success of our team. And uh, I'm not disappointed in where they are right now, but I do think uh, we need to continue to make progress at that position if we're going to get the kind of consistency and performance that we need to do the things that we'd like to do defensively.
4: You, you,
2: You notice what he said there, right? Look. Saban, that was his position. That's the position that he played. That's the position that he coaches and he still coaches. There's a great article a few weeks ago about that, how he's still so hands-on when it comes to the secondary. That the secondary coach is just a guy, essentially, and then Saban's always has his hands on there. And no matter how talented you may have been in high school, if you get on his bad side, he will put you in the doghouse in a heartbeat, specifically in the secondary. I remember Tony Brown who was a coveted prospect out of Texas, there in the Beaumont area. Everyone wanted him, including Texas. He goes to Alabama, and he struggled for at least two to three years, and he would give up touchdown passes and then get put in the doghouse and be just cussed out on the sidelines (laughs) by Saban. So, yeah, Eli Ricks has started in this league, and he played pretty well in good stretches at LSU. But it's going to be different playing for Nick Saban, that is for sure. But once again, the secondary hasn't been as vaunted as you typically think of Saban defenses, in particular secondaries. So if they want a chance to win a national championship, that secondary is going to have to be healthy and it's going to have to be improved. Now, he was also asked about a slew of other topics, in particular about other coaches. Of course, the offseason – was highlighted by the war of words, if you will, between him and his former assistant, Jimbo Fisher. Of course, Jimbo became the first assistant coach under Nick Saban, former assistant, to beat him in a head-to-head matchup, and that happened last year when A&M defeated Alabama. Of course, Kirby Smart, the Georgia head coach, became the second assistant to do so, and that happened in the national title game. Things got tense. Greg Sankey had to step in. Obviously, it will be a topic of discussion later on tomorrow here at Media Day when Jimbo Fisher takes to the stage. But Saban was asked about his thoughts on his former assistant coach, Jimbo Fisher.
3: Well, first of all, I have no issues or problems with uh, Jimbo. He's done a great job at A&M. He did a great job for us. You know, I I always take criticisms or whatever in a positive way to self-assess me personally in terms of maybe there is something that I could do better. So any comments that anybody makes, you or any coach, I always take into consideration. But there is no issues or problems.
2: So Saban kind of takes the high road there, just wants to move on from it. He's been kind of taking that approach for a while now. We'll see if Jimbo does the same thing tomorrow when he closes out media days, if he decides to take the high road and just says, oh, you know, blah, 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 and just kind of moves on from it, or if he lets it keep kind of, you know, percolating, so to speak, and keep making it a storyline. We'll see if that happens. He was also asked, though, yesterday while he was on stage here for day two of SEC media days inside the College Football Hall of Fame about former Notre Dame head coach and current LSU head coach Brian Kelly and this is what Nick Saban had to say
3: Brian Kelly is an outstanding coach uh, really good person you know we played Notre Dame a couple times uh, in the playoffs uh, at Alabama and uh, their teams are always extremely well coached uh, very competitive had the right kind of mindset in terms of you know how they went out there and performed and how they played uh, very disciplined in terms of how they went out and executed so uh, I have the utmost respect for you know Brian Kelly and the job that he'll he'll do at LSU.
2: So nothing but complimentary remarks there about the new LSU head coach, and he and he said that he has said that before about Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame. And look, I know some Tiger fans have question marks whether or not Kelly can win in Baton Rouge, but. Coaches in the league do not feel the same way. And people that I've talked to around here, people that cover the sport, have covered the sport for a long time, they don't really have question marks either. The fans have question marks. Insiders, people that cover the sport and fellow coaches really don't when it comes to Brian Kelly. Mike Leach also took to the stage yesterday on day two, and he always has interesting things to say about everything and this is what he had to say about the nick saban or jimbo fisher beef in nil and taking care of athletes everything encompassing in in one just glorious mike leach comment
5: well i think they both kind of illustrate the frustration of uh how things are you know right now, and I, it's not sustainable, so something's going to change you know right now um, we haven't defined what exactly is a, an amateur or a student athlete as opposed to a professional, and I think we need to do that, and I think there is ways to do it. I think that uh, some football players may be in their best interest to remain a student athlete and you know under that model as opposed to professional and vice versa. And I think that's got to be defined currently, you know, college athletes have more privileges than, than anybody at any other professional level. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think it stays the same, uh, because there's responsibilities that go along with being a professional. And I've said this before, you've probably already written it down. But, you know, those guys lock themselves in rooms and watch film all the time. So you'll be able to get away with it. Go up to your your next favorite NFL guy. I heard in the NFL they're going to have unmitigated free agency, 365, 24-7. And by the way, there's not going to be any salary cap uh, or draft. You're just going to have bidding wars. And and just watch the expression on their face. And don't look at anything else or write down any notes because... It, it, the expression on their face will be well worth it. So I don't see this as, uh, you know, I, I don't think the dust is settled. I, that, this, we're in a big transition period on a number of things in college football and, uh, you know, sharp guys actively trying to sort it out. And, and you know, and I hope that it will be. And um,
1: So
2: Leach, you know, always is forthcoming and, Always gives good answers there and, and look he he 's honest there I think it's frustrations on both guys because for coaches it 's hard to get a handle on this right because a lot of this is out of their control you know, when it comes to nil deals i mean you could be an attorney, you could be a construction company, you could be uh, i don 't know a pottery barn it doesn 't really matter if you want to decide to bankroll an athlete you 're going to bankroll an athlete and the regulations not being there and everything, it, it causes these guys to have anxiety because they don't know how to deal with it because most of these coaches are 110% control freaks. And this is something they really can't control. So it's kind of gives them trouble, so to speak. For the Bulldogs, this is going to be year three under Leach, and usually... If you look at his track record at Texas Tech and at Washington State, his teams usually take a a step up. In particular, the offenses usually take that next step. The quarterback has been groomed, and really they start to kind of hit the ground running in year number three. And and Leach was asked, you know, where do you think they need to improve upon the Bulldogs, in particular their offense?
5: Well, we've got some starts. We're still, I guess, on paper – Kind of a medium young team but um we, we do have a lot of starts and i think that's helpful so we do have experience to draw on <clears throat> i think we need to sharpen up at receivers i think we need to kind of polish up our receiver play i mean we have good guys that work hard and uh you know i have a sense of urgency that type of thing but we uh, you know i just think we need to be sharper we have a mixture of really young and and old there and so and i do think we're getting better and i thought we had a good spring but i think we can sharpen up there
2: of course because he's the pirate and he'll talk about anything i mean leach is the type of guy that you can ask him any question whatsoever it could be about uh history it can be about archaeology it can be about uh, fast food it can be about weather it doesn't matter he will elaborate it on all of it which makes him one of the favorites among media members. And, uh, yeah, someone got in one of those questions yesterday during Leach's time on the podium and asking, um, you know, uh, what is what are his recommendations when it comes to Netflix?
5: I watched more Netflix lately, and I haven't. Somebody said I need to watch the Terminal List, which I haven't watched it yet. You know, the, I guess the Hidden Gem, which I think I said it last year, Operation Odessa, that uh, documentary, you need to watch that, about uh, these uh, international criminals that uh, try to buy a submarine for Pablo Escobar. That's worth watching.
2: It's just its just great. It's just great. Now, he was also asked uh, uh, another uh, question. You know, HBCUs have been getting a lot of publicity for all the right reasons. Deion Sanders has done a nice job at Jackson State putting the profile on that program and on HBCU's even gracing the cover of Sports Illustrated with his uh, players in, in Jackson State's right there in Mississippi not that far from Starkville and uh, he was asked you know what, what's the possibility of getting Mississippi State and Jackson State to start playing football
5: you know, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's possible. I think it's possible. I don't. We don't have anything scheduled that I'm aware of. <clears throat> of course, on my staff, uh, Tony Hughes used to coach at Jackson State, and and I know a bunch of those guys on the staff, and uh, you know they do a really good job. And then uh, <clears throat> Coach Sanders is a blast if you know him. I mean, you know, just talking to him is fun. And then uh, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but we don't have anything scheduled.
2: See, once again, is a question he's not prepared for, one he's not ready for yet. He kind of handles it. He's, oh, yeah, i got guys on my staff that, you know, Coach and Sanders is fun to talk to, and I don't have anything on the schedule. but So uh, Leach is always enjoyable when he's on the stage. Once again, today here at SEC Media Days, day number three, uh, Arkansas coach Sam Pittman and players. We're going to kick things off at 9.05, our time. Then that will be followed by the defending national champions of the Georgia Bulldogs, led by Kirby Smart. And then in the afternoon, Billy Napier, former Raging Cajun head coach, and the Florida Gators. And then we'll close out shop today with Kentucky and Mark Stoops. Once again, thanks to our sponsors for making this happen. Border Lawn Furniture. That's right, with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. This month, they have the power recliner. You want it, you need it for your man cave. It only costs six ninety nine. Go check that out. Border Lawn Furniture, our title sponsor for SEC Media Days. And also Acadiana Bar & Grill serving as a sponsor for RP3 and Company. We've got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one. That'll be coming up next give you an update on the poll question of the day. You're listening. To the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU
1: Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Mm-hmm. Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for the SEC Media Days here in downtown Atlanta. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. We do it every Wednesday here on the show. What's your go-to road trip snack? What What can't you live without? What do you make sure to get when you stop off at the store before you get on the road? Is it chips? Is it beef jerky? Is it candy? Or is it other... Right now, leading the way, 37% of you say jerky. 31% say other. 16% of people say chips and candy. Our buddy Salty Steve back home says cracklings. There we go. Can't go wrong there. Darren has a question for John Paul about sunflower seeds. Where do you s- spit the shells? It's a good question. We need you to answer that, John Paul. Martin has chimed in. He says, I'll answer for Salty Steve this morning. Oh, no, 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 no. Y- y'all y'all going to stop this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it. I'm going to do it right now. Martin, Steve, y'all listening? Pay attention. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm going to message both of y'all. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Enough of this back and forth. Enough of this throwing shade at one another on our poll questions of the day. Y'all want to have beef? Take it elsewhere. Got no room for it on the poll question of the day. Keep voting on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number one, hour number two coming up. You're listening to RP3 and Company, broadcasting live here from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Storm Team Weather Center. I'm Chris Cozart.
2: SEC. SEC, SEC. Welcome to Atlanta where the players
0: play and we ride on them things like
1: every day. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3.
2: Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Day three has arrived on the docket today. We're going to hear from Sam Pittman in Arkansas, the defending national champions the Georgia Bulldogs with Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett and others. And then in the afternoon, former raging Cajun head coach Billy Napier will be joining everyone on the stage. As he's now the new Florida head coach. And then we'll wrap up things with Kentucky and Mark Stoops. Tomorrow, media days will be wrapped up with Auburn, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for making this all happen for us. Not only my show, RP3 and Company, but also Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Allowing us to have the opportunity to broadcast live here from the College F- Football Hall of Fame. From Radio Row. And of course, that's Border Lawn Furniture. With locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville, they are the home of the Power Recliner this month only, $6.99. Great addition to your man cave, so you can watch games this fall in style. They're also your lift chair, superstore, and your local Tempur-Pedic dealer. So go check out my friends over at Bordelon Furniture. And also want to take a moment to thank Acadiana Bar & Grill for serving as a sponsor for RP3 Company here at SEC Media Days. We do have our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays, and this Wednesday is going to be no different. It's about road trips. It's about road trip snacks in particular. What's your go-to? Darren has chimed in. He says, obviously, the go-to is having to stop by Go Bears anytime he's on the road whether that's I-20, I-10, or wherever he may be traveling. He says, if I'm going far, though, turkey breast sandwiches. If it's not far, fried ribs from that place in Dusan. My man, Darren, given the good recommendations on... Where do you want to go? He wants to go a little bit higher in. He's not doing chips and candy. Our guy, Darren, number one raging Cajun fan of rp 3 and company, says, going to get some turkey breast sandwiches. And if not, uh, if it's just close by, I'm going with the fried ribs from his spot in Dusan. Love that. Right now, leading the vote for what is your road trip snack. Your preferred road trip snack, if you will. 36% of the vote is going to beef jerky. 27% is going to other. 23% goes to potato chips. I like getting Pringles for my road trips. And 14% says candy. Some good comments so far on the poll question of the day. So keep those votes coming and keep those votes coming as well. Leave your comments, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids That way we can share it with everyone here. Coming up less than a half an hour from right now, Tony Barnhart, that's right, Mr. College Football from the SEC Network and elsewhere is going to be joining us. He's going to be joining us to talk about the Bobby Dowd Trophy last year. We spoke with Bill Curry about that, the famed uh, NFL player and college coach. This year, Tony Barnhart's going to be joining us. So that's coming up at 7.30. And in about 15 minutes from right now, or less than 15 minutes from right now, former SDM Cougar star and current LSU wide receiver Jack Besh will be joining us as well. We caught up with him earlier this week when LSU was here making the rounds on Radio Row. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. That's all coming up. Of course, last night was the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. American League wins its ninth consecutive game in the midsummer classic 21 of 25 by the way they've won in the past National League jumps out to an early 2 nothing lead but thanks to back-to-back bombs including by who would end up being all-star game mvp john carlos stanton of the new york yankees hitting a two-run shot there in the fourth inning the american league pulls out the 3-2 victory as the all-star game was held they're in the ravine at Dodger Stadium for the first time in 42 years It was phenomenal crazy that it has not been there in 42 years but that means now halfway point of the season is in the books second half begins and the push for the playoff is going to begin playoffs rather begins tomorrow the Strohs are going to be playing a twin bill that's right doubleheader against the yankees two of the best teams, or two, the two best teams in Major League Baseball are going to square off there at Minute Maid (coughs) Ballpark. Game one of the doubleheader can be heard right here on the game tomorrow afternoon, which means no Jordy Holberg show, as you're going to have midday baseball. The second game of the Twin Bill can be heard on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. So we'll have both of them for you, courtesy of Delta Media. And then the shows are going to be turning their attentions to the Seattle Mariners because they have two more series against the Mariners, the hottest team in baseball, winners of 14 straight, and they're going to play them twice, and then they won't play them again the rest of the season, so this is going to be two huge key series for Seattle and for Houston, as this is going to go a long way to determine who's going to win the American League West. Once again, the Mariners have trimmed the Astros' lead down to a mere nine games, but The Mariners have struggled against elite competition except for the Strohs. That's what makes this so fascinating is that the Mariners have gone on a 14-game win streak. But overall for the season, they've kind of struggled against teams above 500, against better competition except for Houston. Against the Astros, they're even. It's an even series so far. So this is going to be a fascinating uh, two series here to close out. The month for Houston as they take on Seattle, it's going to go a long way for the Mariners' playoff hopes. They're right there in the mix now. Only a half game out of the top spot for the wild card in the American League. So that's all going to get kicked off here this month now that the All-Star break has come and gone. Major League Baseball draft wrapped up yesterday, and we had some good news involving plenty of our own Teams, teams that we care about back in Acadiana. I'm talking about LSU. I'm talking about UO. I'm talking about McNeese. McNeese had Cameron Foster drafted their star relief pitcher, the Southland Conference Relief Pitcher of the Year, by the way, was selected in the Major League Baseball draft by the New York Mets. He was taken in the 14th round, the native of Houston, is the 16th player taken uh, by the Mets in the draft and the 419th overall pick. And uh, Foster was excited about being drafted. The Mets are one of the best teams right now in, in, in Major League Baseball. Foster becomes the 15th player under skipper Justin Hill to be drafted or to at least sign a free agent contract. And he's going to be the 13th McNeese baseball alum to be actively playing in professional baseball. So congratulations to Cameron Foster, the Southland Conference Relief Pitcher of the Year. He was drafted by the New York Mets yesterday. The Raging Cajuns, good news if you're Matt Deggs and company and if you're a fan of the Raging Cajun baseball program, they did not have any of their guys drafted high. There was some thought that a couple of the guys would be taking fairly high in the draft. They were not which bodes well that those guys are going to be returning to the program to play another year. And on Tuesday, two of those guys were selected. Bo Bonds, who is going through off-season surgery. He was selected with the 398th overall pick to the Toronto Blue Jays. And then Tyler Robertson was selected with the 420th overall pick to San Diego. That's on the final day of the draft. Robertson made history as being the first Cajuns player to ever be selected by the Padres. Bonds himself had a great year on the bump, going 5-3 and three with an ERA of 3.11 and 83 strikeouts and led the team in that category. He was also named the Sunbelt Conference Baseball All-Tournament Team, and obviously the Rachel Cajuns claimed the Conference Tournament Championship and went to the NCAA Tournament for the first time since 2016. So, but... I expect, even though both of those guys were drafted yesterday and drafted late, expectations are is that Robertson and Bonds will be joining the Raging Cajuns again. Multiple sources say Bo Bonds has already decided to uh, Bo Bonds has already decided to join. He's deciding whether or not to join the Blue Jays or come back to the Cajuns. Robertson's still working on a decision, so we'll see. If those two gentlemen come back, it does favor the Raging Cajuns because where they were drafted, they were drafted on the last day, drafted late in the draft. The likelihood of them being able to come back is high, but sometimes these kids have the opportunity. The signing bonus money alone sometimes forces their hand, and they go ahead and say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and go and try to get my foot in the door as I head towards the show. But congratulations to... A few Raging Cajuns and a McNeese baseball star for hearing their name called and being drafted and selected in the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft yesterday on the final day of the draft. Whew. Good start to hour number two. It's about to get better in a few minutes. But before we do that, i got to tell you about something that we have going on, some news to let you know about. You know, we're here Monday through Thursday in Atlanta, for sec media days but guess what we're taking the road show on the road yet again next week as we're headed to new orleans the sunbelt conference is headed to two days they're going from media days being one day to now two days due to the expansion of the actual conference. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is, you know what, we're going to be taking over the Big Easy just like we're taking over Atlanta. And we're going to be doing it for Sunbelt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday and Wednesday of next week as RP3 and Company, Footnotes with Kevin Foote, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. All three shows are going to be broadcasting live from the Hotel Sheraton there in new orleans for the games live from sunbelt media day coverage that of course is presented by next home cutting edge realty and the wetlands so tune in for the takeover of the big easy right here on the game next week southwest louisiana sports station so log in time in atlanta then we're going to be going down to new orleans next week for sunbelt media days as well also got to remind you you watched his TV specials, you've listened to his podcast, now you can see comedian Bert Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th. That's coming up. He'll be here in no time. And you can win tickets by simply sending us a text message. That's right. To score tickets to see Burt Kreischer at the Cajun Dome, you can simply join the game's text club by texting Burt, B-E-R-T, B-E-R-T to 337-283-8100. That's BERT, B-E-R-T, to 337-283-8100. Once you are a member, you're going to be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of the Games Text Club. Whew. Good stuff. Keep those votes coming as well. For our poll question of the day, leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. And once again, thanks to our sponsors, Border Lawn Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville, home of the Power Recliner, only for six ninety nine this month. They're also your Lift Chair Superstore and your local Tempur-Pedic dealer and Acadiana Bar and Grill for making all this coverage possible for us to be here to witness the circus that is Southeastern Conference Media Days. We're going to talk more about the sec we're going to talk more about the state of college football when tony barnhart is scheduled to join us in about 20 minutes from right now live on radio row but coming up next here in rp3 and company my interview from earlier this week sat down with former stm cougar star in football and basketball current lsu wide receiver jack besh he was here for media days brian kelly brought him along I asked him a slew of different questions about playing for the new coach, about what he's been working on to improve, and how excited he is for the upcoming season and to be playing in the Superdome yet again. That interview is coming up next, right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: LSU kicked off Media Days here inside the College Football Hall of Fame on Monday. And it's our privilege to have been able to catch up with a local product, former St. Thomas Moore Cougar star, state champion in multiple store, uh, sports, and a man who made the transition seemingly well, easy, from high school star to college star last year for the LSU Tigers. Jack Besh joins us now. Jack, it's always a privilege to talk to you, brother. It's always amazing to catch up with you. What's uh, Media Day been like for you so far?
6: Man, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, definitely like a dream come true. You only like imagine and picture this um, in your dreams as a kid. So to be able to actually come here and experience it in full has been just awesome. Definitely blessed and honor to be here.
2: So when Coach, you know, goes through the process and he asks you, hey, even though you're only a sophomore, I want you to come to media day, what did that mean to you and what kind of honor is that?
6: <laughs> well, there there wasn't really a question. I kind of <laughs> walked in the room one day for media training, and they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to media day. Um, but, I mean, nobody in their right mind would say no to that.
2: Um, what's been your impression of your new head coach?
6: He's been awesome. Absolutely great. Um, I don't think there could have been a better fit than Coach Kelly. Um, I think everything he's impl- implemented uh, within our program and what he's done with our culture so far, even the couple of months he's been here, uh, have just been awesome.
2: Obviously, he's an offensive guy. You play on that side of the football, so what is it about his game plan or what he's trying to establish that's kind of really stood out to you, that's made you excited?
6: Um, just how their philosophy of offense is they want to get the ball to the open athlete in space. It's um, just kind of finding the open space in the field, getting the, getting the players the ball, and that's letting us do what we do best, which is obviously exciting for any kid whenever they hear that.
2: What's your role going to be? Is it going to be kind of a hybrid like you were last year where you're technically listed as tight end, but you lined up at wide receiver, you did a little bit of both? Has that role been more defined this year, or is it still kind of you know you serving as kind of that hybrid role?
6: Uh, straight wide receiver this year. Straight wide receiver. Yes, sir.
2: Um, how exciting is that?
6: Very exciting. <laughs> I'm definitely very happy to be straight wide receiver.
2: So you get the opportunity to be a straight wide receiver you know, there's so much talent in that wide receiving core, and a lot of it comes from the 337, Keyshawn Butte, yourself, um, obviously the young man that went to The uh, league Neighbors who went to Come High School. Um, what's that brotherhood like between the, the, the three of you guys?
6: Uh, very close, all very connected, all one phone call away from each other, uh, always just check up on each other, uh, hang out, do things together. Um, we're actually going on a little trip before our camp starts together, so uh, – nice. Just just building that bond, you know, uh, where all true brothers uh, might not have the same bloodness, but besides that, we're as close as can be.
2: We're talking with former STM Cougar and current LSU star wide receiver Jack Besh. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Last year, disappointing season by LSU standards, and I know for a fact by your standards, Um, what can you guys do differently to become a better program, a better team, and start reaching those levels that not only you expect, but the LSU fan base expects?
6: Well, if, if we get last year and just let it be how it is, and we don't take anything from it, and we don't learn anything from it, it's like double the bad, you know what I mean? So what we did was we got a lot of the stuff from last year, we took it, and we learned from it, and we grew from it, because you can't grow without adversity. You know, if you're if you're, doing all the, uh, if, you, if you're doing that last year and there's, and there's no, no way to grow from it, then, you know, it's just, you're taking two losses in one. So this year we're really just honing in and focusing on all the little details, um, all the little things that make a team great um, because, you know, the little details is what really separates you. Um, you know, in the collegiate level, everybody's big, strong, fast, physical. Um, so it's the little things that really separate people and separate teams from others.
2: So you guys are putting in the extra work. You know, what does that mean from the wide receiving position working with multiple quarterbacks? Because obviously you guys have a crowded quarterback room. I'm not going to ask you who's going to be the quarterback. My question is, how do you develop a rapport with multiple guys taking snaps? And that's how it's going to be, at least when you guys start camp.
6: So what you do is you build chemistry with all four of them. Um, And what that does is obviously they're going to name a starter. Whoever they name is going to be well well enough capable to lead this team and to lead it in a very good way. But what it does is now if if name starter goes down, number two, you don't skip a beat. He goes down, number three, you don't skip a beat. Number four, you don't skip a beat. You know, we have so much depth in that quarterback room, and everybody's good in there. You're never going to skip a beat uh, even if somebody gets hurt or, or whatever may happen. Um, so I think it's good, and it creates a – you know, a level of competition in that room. So whoever does get picked is going to be very fit for the job.
2: Knowing what's ahead of you guys and knowing that it's going to be the first year, and usually first years under a new head coach, is a transitional year. Yet I know covering you as long as I have, yet you're not interested in what expectations should be for a transitional year. Um, I don't
6: think anybody is.
2: N- no one is. So for you guys entering the season, what's your mindset?
6: Um our mindset really is to take it week by week. Uh, we've been working very hard, but you know, to play to the standard of performance that Coach Kelly has brought in. And if we do that week in, week out, then we're gonna be completely fine because we have the, all the talent in the world on this team.
2: I love that confidence. And I definitely, I know a lot of LSU fans love to hear that from you you guys, especially younger players like yourself who've kind of taken on a leadership role. Let's, let's shift to that. Because, look, you're not asked to come here as a true sophomore, Jack, if you don't have leadership qualities, especially with someone uh, with the pedigree of Brian Kelly and what he brings to the table. So what are you doing in a leadership capacity?
6: Um, you know, there's there's different types of ways people lead. Um, personally, I'm way more by example. You know, I'll, I'll be vocal whenever it's time needed, but I'm way more by example uh, trying to do the right things in the training room and the locker room. Uh, while we're in meetings uh, on the football field, in the weight room, uh, just trying to show everybody like, the right way. But a cool thing about this year is Coach Kelly, instead of us having one or two defined leaders on the team, he wants everybody t- to take up the leadership role.
2: One more, and then we'll let you go, bud, because I know it's a busy day, um, a busy week for you guys. How cool is it going to be for you to be back inside the Superdome when the team opens up the season on a Sunday night against Florida State?
6: So sick. I'm so excited for that game, and I think everybody is. Uh, Florida State's already sold out there, a lot of tickets. Uh, the game is not a neutral zone; it is going to be a home game. Uh, oh, it's the whole, be filled with purple and the gold, whole city of New Orleans is going to be purple and gold, um, and there's going to be a lot of people in that stadium watching us, and in the, in the dome watching us. There's probably going to be even more on Bourbon Street and on Champion Square watching the TV. So it's going to be awesome,
2: Jack. Appreciate you time. Thank you you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Best of luck this season, and congratulations on everything moving forward, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You all have a good one. That's STM Cougar star, former STM Cougar star, and current LSU star wide receiver Jack Besh joining us here on Radio Row for SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company from Atlanta for SEC Media Days. That's coming up right here. On the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. We're joined now by a writer, broadcaster for the SEC Network. He's also a columnist and a man known as Mr. College Football. Tony Barnhart joins us here. Mr. Barnhart, thank you for making the
7: time. Brother, how are you? It's good to be with you. Thanks for for coming to Atlanta. It's good to have you here. Uh, nice for Barnhart to have a home game. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and so uh, this is day three over the hump day. It's going to be fun. Uh, now you've been doing this for quite a long time. Yes. Uh, is are, are, is there any tips that you can give some newbies, some rookies, about how to pace yourself? Yeah, you you got to pace yourself. Don't go don't go hard the first two nights. So because when when tomorrow gets here and you're talking about the last two coaches on the last day. I've seen some dragon folks in this room, (laughs) bless their hearts. A few years ago when I came to my first one, I
2: remember like the last day it became a ghost town. So many other people just
7: left. (laughs) They were just
2: like, I'm done. I'm done with all this. Um, Through the first two days, what stood out to you from what was said up on the podium?
7: Well, a a couple of things. And I think you have to start at the very beginning with Commissioner Sankey. Uh, Because I've done this one or two times, Uh, I had a number of people say, Asked me, so what's Commissioner Sankey going to say? I said I, he, he basically he'll use a lot better words than I'm using, but he'll basically say two things: conference expansion. Hey, we're good. Thanks, thanks for asking. And the other part he's going to say is, you know, it's good to be us. And I, I think I think those those were the two messages I got I got across. There's a lot of, as he said there are a lot of headwinds facing college athletics and they're going to have to work through them. But, but people like Greg's the smart people like Greg Sankey are going to figure out a way to do that. Uh, I enjoyed Nick Saban's comments yesterday. Nick Saban's in an interesting place now. You know, he, 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 wins. This is what I love. Alabama wins the sec championship. They win 13 games. They only lost two. And, uh, and you would have thought that Alabama went 5-7 and seven last year, okay? <laughs> so, but, that, but that's, the, you know, 13-2 SEC championship, national championship game, 90% of the people will be throwing a parade. Alabama's trying to figure out, well, what did we do wrong? What went, went wrong? I've said this, Tony. Saban
2: seems to be the type of coach that does some of his best coaching following a humbling defeat and mm-hmm. a stunning defeat. You look at his track record, in particular, at Alabama. Anytime they suffer one of these, typically they're far more focused, determined, and play with a chip on their shoulder. Now, their schedule is challenging. Do you expect
7: Alabama to be uh, a determined, well-old machine in 2022? I expect Alabama to win every single game they play this year until they get to Georgia in the SEC Championship game. And when that happens, ask me again. Let's, let's talk about those Bulldogs. They did lose a lot to the NFL draft, Mm -hmm.
2: but Kirby has built that program to be able to kind of just reload, not rebuild. The schedule favors them as well. You're looking at it just from a preseason point of view. You expect the Bulldogs to be in Atlanta once again for the SEC championship and have an opportunity to make it back to the playoff to defend their title.
7: I do. I do. I I wrote before these meetings started that uh, I just asked the question, is there anybody that can keep Alabama – And Georgia on the apparent collision course they're on again. And I I looked at this, I looked at every team, and there are a lot of good teams in this league. I don't see any of them good enough to beat Georgia. Now, some of my uh, friends disagree with that, but uh, I think that, as you mentioned, the schedule sets up very nicely. We're talking
2: with uh, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. He joins us here on Radio Row on RP3 and Company let's stay in the east I want to ask you about the Florida Gators we know Billy Napier very well being based in Lafayette we saw the job that he did you give him time he puts in his system his process which he kind of learned from Nick Saban his own version of it he's just not demonstrative on the on the sidelines but very much treats it like a business Gainesville has some messiness about it in recent years do you believe Billy Napier can bring the Gators back to prominence in the next three to four years?
7: Yes, I absolutely do. short The short term I have some concerns about because of that roster and work that needs to be done. Uh, can Billy Napier take Anthony Richardson and make him into an elite SEC quarterback? He's a very, very talented guy now, but, but I'm talking about playing the quarterback position at an elite level. Can he do that? I think he can. Uh, and Florida's going to recruit. Well, they, they just are. I mean, yeah. you, you and I could recruit Florida well. That, and that, it's just you got so many players down there. So I, I feel really good about Florida's future. I think this year, anytime you come in and you're putting in a whole new culture and a whole new system, offensive and defense, tra- some transitions are easier than others. And it'll be interesting to see how this transition goes. But two, three, four years down the road, I expect Florida will be. Challenging Georgia for the SEC East Championship. Let's stay in the East.
2: Tennessee, Josh Heupel did some nice things year one. And Rocky Top has been, uh, let's be honest, has been uh, uh, underperforming for, you know, ever since they fired Philip Fulmer, uh, which has been quite a while. Do you believe in Heupel's abilities to be able to – we know he can coach offense, Tony. Yep. Do you believe in his abilities to be able to put together a competent defense to be able to compete in the SEC,
7: sure he did. He did it at UCF. He's done mm-hmm. it. He's done it well at other places. And that, that, again, that's a matter of hiring the right coach, the right defensive coordinator, and recruiting the right players. And I, I, there's no question in my mind he can do that. The, the you know what the big thing that Billy Napier did uh, last year, first year at Tennessee, was when that season was over, we all knew very clearly what the playing identity of Tennessee was going to be. Uh, under Josh Heupel, right. We're going to spread you out. We're going to we're going to make you cover the entire field, and we're going to have a very very accurate quarterback with receivers that can run great routes and beat you deep. And that's, uh, I thought they uh, to get all of that in. Uh, I thought it was a very good transition. And what and Hinton Hooker, 31 touchdown passes, three interceptions, three. I mean, the odds yeah. are that you get have three or four more balls just tipped in the airs, and it's not your fault. So. I, the Tennessee people are excited. They should be. Are they good enough to beat Georgia? They are not. But they are good enough to finish second in the East. Over in the West, obviously Alabama is your front runner. And then
2: it's, it's curious because I've had multiple conversations this week, Tony, and, and uh, people are all over the place on who's going to be. Is it A&M? It feels like it should be A&M. Mm-hmm. But then the response is, well, they're A&M. Right. And then, you know, Ole Miss took a huge step last year with a 10-win regular season, first one in program history under Lane Kiffin. Mississippi State, you know they're going to take a step in year three under Mike Leach, at least we think they will because of what he's done at Texas Tech and Washington State. How do you like
7: the rest of the West? The rest of the West is incredibly competitive. Uh, We're going to have this year take Georgia and Alabama and put them over here by themselves. Then take Vanderbilt and put them over there by themselves. Three through 13 is going to be as balanced and competitive as it's ever been. And so, yeah, I I think from a talent standpoint, it's Texas A&M to finish second if, if they get adequate quarterback play from Haynes King or the freshman or whoever it's going to be. they got very in- inconsistent quarterback play. Zach Calzada, let, he played the best game of his life when they beat Alabama. Okay? Yeah. He didn't play that well before. He didn't play that well <laughs> after. Yeah. He had what I call his Steven Garcia game. Uh, that, Ooh, was, that, good was, that, that was a comparison. Yep. That was a South Carolina quarterback that had a career game against Alabama. So, uh, I, I think I think it's Texas A&M, but they've got to get more consistent play at quarterback. Got to ask you
2: about Brian Kelly, LSU. I think he's a good fit. I don't think it's gonna. I think he's going to be able to recruit the South. If you can recruit at Notre Dame with those restrictions, yep. you can recruit anywhere, and you've already seen him do it with the second cycle, Tony, of getting guys from New Jersey, from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. from all across the country,
7: what do you think year one of Brian Kelly at LSU is going to look like? Brian Kelly, and I said this yesterday, and a guy looked at me like, you're out of your mind, Barnhart. I'm telling you, <laughs> the issue at LSU has never been about players. They've always had players. What they had was inconsistent coaching uh, at best, and they had a generational quarterback in Joe Burrow in 2019. And won the national championship. LSU is going to win sooner rather than later, and I believe that I believe that Brian Kelly will have the best roster he's ever had this year at LSU. Wow!
2: Wow! Wrapping up our conversation with Tony Barnhart, Mister College Football, as he joins us here on Radio Row for SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. Got to ask you about. The Dodd Trophy, I got to see some of the displays here in the museum for uh, Coach Dodd. Uh, obviously, the trophy means a lot. You're part of that. Um,
7: just tell us a little bit about just how important Coach Dodd was and how important this trophy is. Well, legendary coach at Georgia Tech, one of only four men who were in the College Football Hall of Fame as both a player and a coach. Steve Spurrier is one of those, by the way. Uh, The Dodd Trophy is different than other Coach of the Year awards in that, yes, it it takes into account how many games did you win, what kind of year did you have, all that. But it's also about how do your players do academically? How do they do in community service? How does the head coach do in community service? What is the tone he sets his program in terms of, of integrating with the campus community as a whole? So there's a lot more going on there. The pillars of the Dodd Trophy are scholarship, leadership. Integrity, and those are the those are the guideposts we use to pick the uh, Dodd uh, the God Coach of the Year for the Dodd Trophy, and I'm I'm I've been associated with it for about 12 years now, and proud to be a part of it.
2: Tony, thank you so much for making the time, brother. All right, guys, appreciate you.
7: Take care. That's Mr. College
2: Football, Tony Barnhart, joining us here on RP Three and Company on Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. He says. That's interesting what he says about Brian Kelly in this roster. It may be the most talented roster. And we look at the roster at LSU and go, well, you know, he's having to kind of rebuild it. But even a rebuilding LSU in Tony's viewpoint is more talented and has more depth than what he had at Notre Dame. And look what he was able to do at Notre Dame with less overall talent, top to bottom. I think Tennessee is going to be a surprise team. He agrees with me about Billy Napier. If you give him time at Florida, you can do well. You can do well there. You just got to give him time. And look, the same thing. It feels like we're on a collision course yet again for Alabama and Georgia yet again. They're the two best teams by far, not only in the conference, but in the country. Everyone else is playing catch-up. And I love what he said there about Vandy. He said, like, yeah, you're going to put Alabama and Georgia over here. And then you're going to put Vanderbilt uh, over here. (laughs) So 3 through 13 are going to be immensely competitive. Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, Florida. I don't think there's that much separation between all those schools. And I think you're going to see that reflected in the rankings and how that works. So great conversation there with Mr. Tony Barnhart joining us. Before we have to hit the timeout, though, I want to take a moment here to remind you about the games clubhouse oh you haven't joined yet here's the deal i'm over here in atlanta you're back home listening in acadiana why don't you go ahead and do yourself a favor and sign up for the clubhouse today because here's the thing we're going to help you with your date night blues just simply go to 1037 com or 1041 com today and you can sign up it's easy it's free it's simple we even had Matt Miguez, show you how to do it with a video. There's a tutorial on the website. It's that easy. Trust me, I was able to sign up, so can you. And once you become a member, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have the opportunity to score great prizes to help you with your date night blues. I'm talking a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. I'm talking about a $50 gift certificate to Half Shore Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate. Wait for it to Mabel's Kitchen. All three of those are amazing, fine dining establishments in Acadiana. You can take your lady out, show her a good time, have a great time, a night on the town, so to speak. And in addition of us hooking you up with these gift certificates to help with those date night blues, once you become a member of our clubhouse, you're also going to have the opportunity to score Houston Astros tickets station swag concert tickets and so much more but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so go sign up today it's free it's simple make sure to go do it do yourself a favor trust me on this we got to take a time out We'll wrap up our number two here on RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home
1: for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 may be in Atlanta. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big, Ball beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. Or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar & Grill. Oh, Lafayette
2: Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory, and guess what? They pride themselves on earning your business. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. Let me tell you, that outdoor living space that you love to watch ball games in in the fall, your man cave area... They can take that to another level. They can make that the envy of your neighborhood. Simply visit their website, LMGElite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. That is today. That's right. Go visit their website, LMGElite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory every Wednesday. Or you know what? Just stop by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 north across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot. Lafayette, Marble, and Granite, they're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Let's get an update here on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What is your go-to road trip snack? Obviously, Miguez and I took the road trip to get to Atlanta for SEC Media Days, we'll be taking another one to go to New Orleans next week for Sunbelt Media Days. But what's your go-to road trip snack? you got to have that way you don't have to stop and get a meal. You just snack, keep driving, keep moving, keep getting to your destination. Right now, leading the vote, 38% of you say jerky. 28% say potato chips. I prefer a Pringle if I'm going to go on the road trip. It just fits right there in the cup holder. Boom, boom. It's just perfect. 21% say other and 13% of you say candy, good old-fashioned candy bar. Brad on Twitter has said, old-school Taco Bell beef burrito, just beef, cheese, and red sauce. Not one with all the other crap in it. <laughs> I like it. I always worry about, you know, when you're on the road trip, you, you try not to, to, to have things that are going to be messy in the car. Right? That, that's usually a rule of thumb. So, you know, when my wife and I, we're going to be taking our vacation later this month, early in August, we're going to do a road trip, go see other parts of the country. It, it, we're going to be packing up stuff is what we're going to be doing. So we'll, we'll stop off at a rest area or some type of scenic area to be able to, you know, have sandwiches. But we're going to eat outside of the car because my wife doesn't want to dirty up the car.
1: <laughs>
2: but I do like the old school Taco Bell beef burrito. That's a good one. I like that one. Once again, Steve had said earlier, Cracklin's so good. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, instead of just saying it on the air, she decided to comment on the poll question of the day because she's enjoying being in the darkness that is the game studios backing up for Lafayette without me being around. Says, I like a little bit of all of it. Pickle chips, only Lays, Reese's or Charlton Chews, Minis, and Jerky, only Jack Link's original. Plus, usually share some of David's sunflower seeds with my stepdad. Why can not you have just said that on the air, Five Names. Why can't you just said that on the air?
0: Well, I mean, I must have a chance to all the guests we have for the last two hours. <laughs> and Salty Steve told me to <laughs> post it on the Twitter so that everyone else can see it because I'm going to talk on the air.
2: Oh, oh, oh wow. Wow. Whew, you know we got nothing but love for you. But it's SEC media days. But it's still Wednesday. It's still the foodie poll question of the week. We know we got time for you, producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Not to worry. We're going to come back to you in hour number three. We're going to close out the show with you and I. How about that?
0: Okay. That sounds good to me.
2: There we go. There we go. Hey, just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for helping us be here making this happen for us to be on Radio Row for SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. A great experience, Border Lawn furniture. They have locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. This month, the power recliner. You want it, you need it in your man cave. there are at your house, Six ninety nine this month. You can go pick that up at any of their locations. They're also your lift chair superstore and, guess what, your local tempur dealer as Border Furnitures, thanks them for their sponsorships, as well as Acadiana Bar & Grill for sponsoring RP3 and Company, one of the best nightlife spots in Acadiana. That's going to do it for hour number two on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here at the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Coming up after the timeout, Ryan McGee of Marty and McGee and the SEC Network is going to be joining us. That's coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. SEC.
0: SEC, SEC. Welcome to Atlanta where the play is played and we ride on them things like every
1: day. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3.
2: Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. A few years ago, I got the privilege to interview his broadcasting partner when his book came out. Now I get to do the other half, and a man who I believe says he may have even better hair than his partner. You know him from ESPN. (laughs) He's a senior writer all over your television screen on SEC Network and other places. Ryan McGee now joins us here on the show. Ryan, good morning, good day to you, brother. How you doing? I'm good. You know what? You bring up a –
8: so there's a great misperception about Marty and McGee, and it's that Marty, like, spends more time on his hair than I do. But the reality is he has, like, this Jimmy Neutron Frohawk thing (laughs) – and all he does is he puts his fingers in the goop and he does this. And he just, does, <laughs> just like, makes like, you know, like the, like the church in the steeple thing with your hands. <laughs> yeah. I, on the other hand, I, and I love my hair, uh, but I spend a lot of time, like, you know, crafting this thing, blow dryer and the whole deal. Oh, yeah. So I spend
2: way more time on my hair than he does. Uh, brother, I don't spend any time on mine. Yeah.
8: <laughs> I well, wasn't going to when, say anything.
2: When, when, yeah. when, when, you, when you come to get to this point in your life, you're just like, yeah, just yeah. go like, ahead. We're just gonna, oh, yeah. No, gonna, no, no. Go, no. go Yeah. Ahead. yeah. <laughs> I'm just go happy
8: ahead. to have what I have.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you, look, you're a down-to-earth guy, uh, a Southern guy. Yeah. Did you ever imagine we'd get to a point with college football that we would be here inside a state-of-the-art Hall of Fame having media day with Radio Row of nearly 50 radio stations and uh, 1,000 media members?
8: It's, it's amazing. And First of all, I love this building. I love it. I love coming here. I, I, I come here. I'm in Atlanta. I, I live in Charlotte. From here to my driveway is three hour, forty five minute drive, and I come down here for for work or whatever. And I come to the Hall of Fame all the time. And when we do the college football awards here in December, Marty and I will do the red carpet show. And during the awards down on the floor, this is dark up here. I'm just walking around. It's like night at the museum. And oh, so, nice. Yeah. So, so no, it's to your point. It's it's amazing. You know, uh, you know, you know this. My dad was a college football referee from the early '70s until the late 2000s. And the question that he gets all the time is, you know, how different was it? And and what he says, the greatest part of his career as an official, and I feel this way because I was with him as a kid most of that time, is watching how the game has changed. You know, not just how it's played, but he would go to Virginia Tech and referee games, and there were 15,000 people there. Yeah. And now, you know, it's one of the great venues in, in college sports. And, and And I will say that about anywhere. I remember going to Legion Field and thinking this is – I'm so excited to be here. This is a dump, and then you go to Brian Denny, and it went a whole lot better. And now it's a show palace. And so, when to watch the evolution of the game and loving it as much as I do, um, you know, it's uh, I think
2: it's the coolest thing. It's crazy that you mentioned that. Originally being from Mobile, I'd go to Lad People's all the time. And yeah, that's one of the glorious dumps. Oh of, gosh, of, yeah, of, of all time. But just to think about where it goes, and, and you and I are roughly the same age, and you know listening to Keith Jackson on the calls and just having college football just be, you know, very whatever you could get your hands on. Right. And now to see where it's at, I, I, that leads me to my next question. Are we bound for two to three super conferences dominating Division I football? I think so. Um, and, you know, I wrote – I went and found it the other
8: day. I wrote a story for ESPN Magazine in 2011. And in that story I talked about four super conferences. Dividing the map, you know, into four regions, and I interviewed Bobby Bowden and Rick Pitino and all these people about it even way back when, and I, but I, I don't mind four or five. I don't, I don't like two, you know. That's the NFL. I don't yeah. like. I don't. I don't watch the NFL. I don't care about the NFL. I have. I have players that I follow in the NFL that I cover. Like I, I spent, basically spent two years at Baker Mayfield, you know, work on different things. So I'm excited to have him in Charlotte. i followed him in Cleveland. I, I, you know, I follow athletes. I right. follow players that I know. Um, I'll follow Bryce Young because I'm crazy about that kid. But uh, but I don't, I don't want two super conferences and I don't want a, a playoff that has uh, buys. You know, I don't want those things. That's the NFL. If I wanted the NFL, I'd watch the NFL. And so, what I worry about, and I talked to Nick Saban about this today, I, I talked to Mike Leach about this today, which is I want to make sure we protect all this, all all this that we're sitting in at the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, I want to make sure that App State has a chance to beat Michigan right here on this plaque over your Correct. shoulder. I want to make sure that we're still playing, you know, these games, Notre Dame, these games that are all in this, this rivalry section that we're sitting in. And so... You know, you, I know you're a NASCAR guy, and I'm, I'm a NASCAR I've covered NASCAR forever. I watched NASCAR get so obsessed with growing that they rip the roots out of the ground. And you can have both. You you can expand and grow and evolve, but still make sure you at least leave a few roots in the they ground. They were
2: so focused on their getting the new fans right. that they turned their back on. 100%. The
8: and I worked there then. I worked at NASCAR in the mid-2000s with screaming meetings. What the hell are we doing, you know? and and I'm a rock I'm born in rock I was born in Rockingham North Carolina I'll be buried in Rockingham North Carolina and I drove past the empty racetrack two, two weeks ago and I just I want to make sure that college football doesn't get too far away from what we grew up loving I'm not I'm not saying it ha- I'm not saying we still have to play games in
2: old dumpy stadiums and all
8: that you no. can evolve but I just want the spirit of what we love about it to still be there that's what I worry about
2: Bama Georgia Obviously, cream of the crop in the SEC, played for the title last year. Who presents, maybe not the biggest challenge, who's the most interesting team not named Alabama and Georgia for you heading into the 2022 season?
8: Well, I mean, the A&M thing is crazy. I mean, listen, and on paper, um, their roster is insane. Uh, Obviously, Jimbo Fisher will be in this Hall of Fame sooner than or later. Um, But that being said, A&M still A&M. And the last time they won a national championship, looked it up. Gone with the win was number one at the box office. I'm serious. So it's been a minute. So until they show me, and they took a huge step last year by winning that game. Correct. Uh, by by, by finally beating Alabama. So they're, they're really interesting. But to me, the beauty of this league this year is, to your question about who's interesting, Tennessee's really interesting. Josh Eipel, uh, Ole Miss is really interesting. Yeah. You know, the, the, Kentucky. All Kentucky now does now is win ten games a year. Kentucky football. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are the same. There's no way you come to me and say that. When I was a student at Tennessee, we were in the middle of like an 18-year winning streak against Kentucky. So, it's there, – there are – I think Florida, people have written off way too quickly. You know Billy Napier can coach football. Billy Napier can he coach. He can coach football. And he has a process, which he learned from Nick. And guess what? He also has a roster that should have beaten Alabama last September. Correct. You know, a lot of those guys are gone, but a lot of them are still there. So, I, I, to me – Yes, it's Alabama and Georgia, but to me, the conversation behind them is a huge group of schools that could all either win 11 games or win five games. But I, I don't know that any of them. Like, we talked to Mike Leach today. I don't know that. I don't think Mississippi State can win the SEC West. I'm not crazy. I think they can ruin it for someone else. They, I think. I th- I think that. I think that if Will Rogers gets hot on a Saturday night, he can totally burn down the season for someone else. So and it's
2: year three of Leach's offense. Yeah.
8: Yeah. So it's. I, I just. There are so many teams that could sneak up on people. You look at Ole Miss two years ago, won what six games, mm-hmm. but you couldn't not talk about them, win or lose. Tennessee was that team a year ago, and you know five hundred team, yeah, but you couldn't not watch. You, you had to watch, and, and so to me, that, that's the beauty of the league is is that, and it's the beauty of college football. You know, yeah, everybody's running a, a lot of crazy offense right now, but there's still uniqueness among every team, and so that's why I'm fascinated by the whole thing.
2: We're talking with Ryan McGee, ESPN, SEC Network. He's joining us here on Radio Row for SEC Media Days. Got to ask you, two guys at 10 uh, that seem to be on the hot seat this week, at least in conversations I had, Auburn, Mizzou. Yeah. Is that how you kind of view it as well?
8: I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if I buy that with Drinkwitz. You know, I think it's still early yet. I think people don't know what to do with Drink. You know, I think Drink is admittedly, he, if he was sitting here, he'd tell you that he's a nerd.
2: And he's you know, he's just a different guy, and so I don't think people know what to do with him. I met him a few years ago at Sunbelt Media Days when he was at App State he's in awesome. New Orleans. And I found him to be very engaging, but I think sometimes he does come off and people don't know how to take him.
8: Right, they don't. They don't at all. And, and, and I think that, that probably doesn't serve him. But, but you also know if you get in one-on-one, one of the most entertaining days I've had mm-hmm. with a coach was I went to App State. They were like 18th in the country, undefeated, had a Halloween game against Georgia Southern on Thursday night, which they lost. But – I went up there and spent the day with him. I was like, "This guy's awesome," you know. But, but I, I think that Harson is the one that's on the hot seat. I think there's one. I think it's I think it's Harson, and and I don't know that that's fair. Um, but I was telling I was just talking to the guys from Auburn a few minutes ago, and I told him, I said, "Well, the good news is I said Harson has now had the full SEC head coach experience. Until you've had a booster coup, you know, you haven't really you haven't really been a head coach in the SEC, and and he certainly had one now. So yeah, it's a, but again, Harson, same thing, Harson. Um, is a very methodical guy. He's really smart and funny if you get in one-on-one without a taper corner in front of him, but that comes off as aloof, right? you know, and it comes off as a little cold, and I certainly think he probably could have handled the COVID stuff a lot better than he did, you know, going into the season. So, but you know, if he wins the Iron Bowl, we're not even having this conversation.
2: One more before I let you go, brother. Brian Kelly, LSU. Yeah. Do you think it's a good fit, and how long do you think he needs to kind of Help turn things around because he inherited some program that fell on tough times quickly.
8: I think that the coach is better than the program right now. That's a good football coach. Yeah, I don't think anyone understands how difficult the Notre Dame job is. I had a, I went up there a few years ago. I was actually doing a story on Rudy, Rudy Rudiger. Yeah, <laughs> and I went up there for a Stanford Notre Dame game. I went up two days early and. And I, 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 it had been 10 years since I was spending time with Brian Kelly, and he was really difficult to deal with. He was he was cold and choppy and just – but when I went and saw him then, 10 years later, he was great. And he was very honest with me about the difficulty of the Notre Dame job, like just trying to get a video board put in to replace the 50-year-old scoreboard. I had a fight to get the old Redwood seats pulled out that Newt Rockney put in in 1930. This is six years ago. And so – so I don't think people understand how difficult that job was, and he went to the playoff twice, and he played for three national championships. Yeah, and and, and but but that's as far as that's what what he learned was, was as far as I can take it, and so at L, what he sees at LSU is is a blank check that he's never had, and so I know he can coach football. It's just a question of you know does he fit, and uh, you know LSU's pretty good at drama. Speaking, you know, uh, we got Auburn and LSU. Florida, oh, they all. They all pre- I always say that scene in Indiana Jones where he drinks from the wrong cup and the guy ages like three hundred years in yeah, ten and the seconds. Yeah. There's certain jobs that will do that to you, and and I would put Florida, LSU, T- my oh. on water, Tennessee, and uh, and you know, certainly Auburn. I put the I put them I put them in the you chose poorly category <laughs> with the with the with the holy grail.
2: Uh. Ryan, appreciate your time, brother. Yeah, Thank man. you so much. Absolutely. Good to see you. Ryan McGee, ESPN SEC Network, joining us here on Radio Row for SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. We got to take a time out. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the Game 1037, Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more is the sec media days edition of rp3 and company presented by borderline furniture and acadiana bar and grill on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
2: Oh, welcome back to RP Three and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Uh, we've had a slew of great guests, and we're going to keep that moving right here as the man in charge of the Chick Fil A Kickoff Game, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Gary Stokin now joins us. Gary, good morning to you, brother. How you doing? <laughs> great. Welcome. Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to the College Football Hall of Fame. I love always being able to come to Atlanta. This is my first time. The last time I was here would have been a few years ago when I came for uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That was the national semifinal between LSU and Clemson. We're an LSU affiliate. And the line was so long for the Hall of Fame, I wasn't able to get in there. Instead, I went to the World of Coca-Cola. I was able to get into that. The line was just slightly uh, less lengthy for that. But I have been just absolutely amazed by this facility, the memorabilia, the displays. It is state-of-the-art. It is phenomenal. If you're a college football fan, you have to make the pilgrimage here to Atlanta for this.
4: That's well, interesting. In 2001, I went to the, uh, the College Football Hall of Fame in South Bend with uh, uh, Mel Moore. I went through. Oh, wow. And uh, Mel, we came out, and Mel said, you know, Gary, there's nothing with Bear Bryant in this whole Hall of Fame. And I said, you know, there isn't. And it was very antiquated, and they probably did about 60,000 people a year. And at that point, I met with uh, uh, Fred Cassiola, who was the president of the NFF, who owns the Hall of Fame, and then subsequently Steve Hatchell, and uh, negotiated a 30-year license to move the thing to Atlanta in 2009. And um, we've put in... $13 Thirteen million dollars from the bowl to build this, sustain it, and move the College Football Hall of Fame to Atlanta. And we're probably going through pre-COVID, probably 300,000 people a year.
2: Uh, it's a phenomenal facility. But the other thing is, you know, for for you guys and what you do with the Peach Bowl and with the Chick Fil A Kickoff, this can be part of it, right? I mean, this this has become uh, part of it. This museum's <coughs> become part of your presentation. A part of the experience not only for players but for fans
4: but big time uh we put in our contracts for the kickoff games and the bowl to host the teams here for free uh to get them through here and when i meet with them, the players about the bowl game and the invitation i tell them look we want you to go through this hall of fame and we want you to picture yourself being inducted into this hall of fame 15 to 20 years from now nice and um you know, when they see the memorabilia, when they see the videos, etc. Um, we've made it very educational. I, I termed a phrase with our exhibit designer and our architect when we built the Hall of Fame, museum." It had to be educational, had to be entertaining, and then it had to be, be a museum. If we built a museum, we failed. And we wanted it to be very interactive, which it is uh, for young people because they like to interact with things now rather than the old people like me I like looking at the footballs and the helmets and the history, um, but we make sure we have events in here so the teams and the players can go through here. So hopefully we'll see them inducted in the uh, future years. Let's talk about the kickoff because you,
2: uh, for you guys with the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, I, I just love it's just it's something just as small as. Going next door to the Chick-fil-A that's connected to the museum, and they have all the kickoffs and all the bowl game balls displayed right, in the, in, right. Uh, right there while I, was waiting, right, while I was waiting uh, for my number one with extra pickles, by there the way, you in case you're wondering, it. Garrett, The kickoff game, it's the longest-running kickoff game now, and you guys do such a great job with it that – You guys have expanded it to where it's multiple games this year. You're going to have Oregon-Georgia on the Saturday. And then, of course, Clemson-Georgia Tech on Monday night, opening weekend, week one for college football. What went in the process of saying, you know what, it's doing so well with one game, let's expand it, let's have two games, and really make it even more of just an absolute thrilling weekend?
4: Well, we started back in 2006. We made a bid for the BCS when they went to finally a double host model where the Orange Sugar right. Rose Fiesta hosted their game and then their national championship game. So we lost that. But out of losing, an adversity becomes uh, positive because I told my uh, board, I said the NCAA has just legislated a 12th game to the schedule starting in 2008. We are going to start. If they're not going to let us in the BCS on the backside of the season – we're going to start the BCS on the front side of the season. And so we had Alabama, Clemson in our first game in 2008. I remember that game. Uh, Clemson was ranked number nine. Alabama, borderline top 25. Nick Saban's second year. They had just lost to Louisiana Monroe. The oh, year yeah. Before, right? Yeah. Being in Louisiana. Uh, they came in. Alabama won 34-10. On the cover of Sports Illustrated, Alabama's back. And if Nick Saban were sitting here, he would tell you that that was the start of the run that Alabama's been on ever since. Um, so moving forward, we said, okay, we've, we've done the kickoff game. We were the first ones to start this. We've been copied by Dallas and Houston and Orlando and Charlotte, et cetera. Um, but we said with the ACC, how can we help you? And because the ACC and SEC had been so important to us in, in our success. And the ACC has an exclusive time slot with ESPN on Monday night. 8 o'clock prime time, And so we said when we can help, we want to put a, a kickoff game on Monday night for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, which will be unopposed TV slot, a great TV slot. And so we have this year, for the first time, Clemson and Georgia Tech, an ACC game to start the season in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. We've never had that before. We've already, already matched ACC with SEC in the past. But this is the first year we'll have two ACC games starting the conference in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. We're talking with uh, the
2: man behind the Chick-fil-A kickoff game as well as the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Gary Stokin joins us here on RP3 and Companies. We're broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. How do you go through the selection process, your matchups, and the teams that you invite? You know, A lot of it is regional uh, because you know the fans will make the pilgrimage, a short pilgrimage to Atlanta. How much does that play in a role compared to just having a great matchup? Well,
4: that's a great point. You have to look at selling the tickets because we don't own the TV rights for these kick- Chick-fil-A kickoff games. So to make the payouts we have to make, you have to pay people more than what they can net at a home game, number one. And to do that, you have to sell all the tickets. So it's it's very important to look strategically as in the negotiation who's going to buy the tickets. Uh, the Georgia-Oregon game, tell you a quick story, uh, Kirby Smart, was at Alabama for many years with Nick Saban saw what the kickoff game meant to Alabama when he got the head coaching job at Georgia said Gary I will play in the kickoff game as many times as you'll have us so we scheduled him in 16 which was his first game as a head coach Georgia 20 COVID year we lost him against Virginia Uh, 22 he's playing this year against Oregon 24 we have him rematched against Clemson in 24 in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game so uh, on Oregon, I, at the Pac-12 Media Days, met with Mario Cristobal. You talk with a lot of ADs and coaches and say, hey, who will you play? Who won't you play? Right. When do you have an opening? You do your homework on all that. You look at recruiting. It's kind of like a Rubik's Cube, trying to put it all together. And uh, I said, Mario, I got Georgia in 2022. Would you like to play? And he said, oh, I'd love to play against Kirby. Because they were on the same staff at Alabama. Alabama. That's right. So Mario knew Kirby. He knew what a kickoff game could do to their season, and so he agreed. Now, Mario moved on to Miami, but ironically enough, we have Dan Lanning, who is defensive coordinator of the national championship team at Georgia. His first game as a head coach is going to be in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game against Georgia. And Bo Nix, who was the quarterback at Auburn against Georgia last year, could be the starting quarterback for Oregon against Georgia in this game. So, you know, it's it's sometimes you're better lucky than good, but uh, we've got two top ten teams with uh, Oregon and Georgia in the first game and then Clemson being a top five team in the second game. And then at the end of the year having two top four teams right. in the semifinal game. It's going to be our record year. Let, we'll get you out of here
2: with this because I know you're busy. We're talking with Gary Sokin, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, also the man behind the Chick-fil-A kickoff, realignments, conferences, adding teams left and right. You guys you know, you know, guys planned out right here. You have your future matchups all the way through 2025, that being Syracuse and Tennessee that year, and uh, Vitek and South Carolina. How does that impact all the realignment? How does that impact what you guys are able to do with the kickoff?
4: Well, it's interesting, two things. One is because of expansion, I think it's taken up some of the inventory. A lot of the coaches are doing home and home because yep. they thought the CFP would expand. Uh, it didn't expand, uh, but they've scheduled these home and home, so it's, it's shrunk the inventory of potential kickoff games. Um, however, it's also now with people changing conferences, it's opened up some inventory because now a Georgia-Oklahoma, who are scheduled to play in 23 and 31, probably won't play that game because yeah. that, that rematch won't be played in 31. They'll be in the same conference. And so that may pre- present some opportunities as well. So you just have to do your homework, uh, be strategic, get out in front. And, um, you know, that's what we've been able to do through 2025 and hopefully in the future. Gary, appreciate you, Tom, as Great to always, be with brother. You. I'm, um, I'm glad to have you in Atlanta and through the you. Hall of Fame.
2: N- next, time, time. Um, next time, you're going to make sure to bring that number one with extra pickles. Well, we've Take got care a
4: that. we've got a certificate here for you to go get that number one on us uh, for free, Gary. So, I appreciate it, again. brother. Thank you so much. Look forward much, to man. seeing you. Uh, hopefully, for the semifinal game here. Yes, sir. And Can't wait. Best of luck to Coach Kelly, a good friend, and uh, he's going to do a great job down at LSU. Appreciate your
2: time, Thank Thank you, Tom, brother. Thank you. That's Gary Stoken, CEO, president of the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Joining us, talking about their kickoff, talking about realignment, and talking about everything they do here, including with the College Football Hall of Fame. Want to thank Gary for his time, as always, always a great guest here for SEC Media Days. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Mississippi State beat reporter, quarterback guru Chrissy Freud will be joining us. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? we now you- not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Oh, time is running out to win our latest Houston Astros weekend getaway. Today will be the final day if you want to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations to see the Astros take on the Mariners. They're at Minute Maid on Saturday, July 30th. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 104 One Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway you got to go register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and, as I said, hotel accommodations. But you can only do it by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go visit us at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Sign up. It's simple to do. Even yours truly, the big, bald, and beautiful one, was able to figure it out. Astro Weekend Getaways, of course, are powered by Butcher AEC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, we're back here inside the College Football Hall of Fame on Radio Row 4, SEC Media Days. Day 3 is upon us. We had some great stuff on tap for today. Kentucky, Florida, Billy Napier, the defending national champs, Kirby Smart and company, and Arkansas are part of the coverage today, but I want to go back to yesterday and talk a little Mississippi State Bulldogs, Mike Leach, as well as who are the best quarterbacks in this conference, not named Bryce Young. To help us figure all that out is the Mississippi State Bulldogs reporter for SI as well as a draft guru, a quarterback guru. She's Air Raid certified. She's our good friend. Chrissy Freud now joins us here on RP3 and Company. Chrissy, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Okay, so you had to rush back home for a puppy emergency. How many little <laughs> ones do you now have in addition to the dogs you already had?
0: Yeah, we have three so far. There's five dogs in my house. So it's going to be crazy for the next eight weeks or so.
2: Five. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you Please so well. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's go back to yesterday um, while you were here in Atlanta. Uh, tell me, uh, give me your takeaways from what you saw or what you heard, rather, from Mike Leach.
0: Well, I think that there's a lot of confidence in Will Rogers moving forward. I think there are a lot of people just asking about that just because of the way that he's kind of risen through the national rankings this offseason. And then, of course, uh, Mike Leach was Mike Leach. A lot of interesting comments about things like the 64-team playoff model that will probably never come to fruition if we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, Some Netflix recommendations, some things like that. But I think there's a lot of optimism, a lot of curiosity and intrigue surrounding Mississippi State that hasn't really existed Uh, for a long time, and I think that comes down to the success of the Air Raid offense and and just this really big uprising of Will Rogers as he prepares for what might be a meteoric rise uh, going into 2022.
2: Let's talk a little bit about that, Chrissy, and let's talk about Rogers and his development. Do you believe that he's ready to take that next step and be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have him ranked as the number two quarterback in the SEC and one of the top ten quarterbacks in the nation. I think the game really slowed down for him last year, and I think that at the beginning of the season that we saw a quarterback that was holding the ball a little bit too long, uh, that was putting the team in disadvantageous situations, but then moving forward became really accurate, um, got the ball out faster, and then was able to push the ball downfield a lot better. And so I think he's done some really good things. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football, and has really emerged as a leadership figure for this team and can take it to new heights.
2: Year three in Leach's offense, you usually see the quarterback and you usually see the offense also start to ascend. We saw it at Texas Tech. We saw it at Washington State. Tell us a little bit about some of the other weapons that they're going to have to be able to, to have the Bulldogs take that next step offensively.
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's some questions about the offensive line. Percy Lewis is kind of the guy that everyone's looking at um, when it, with the departure of Charles Cross to kind of take that next step and to fill in the gap there. But that's still going to be something that we're looking at. And then as far as the running backs go, uh, Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Sparks have done a really good job. They're really versatile. I think they'll continue uh, to kind of help that short passing game. And then at wide receiver, you lose Makai Polk, but then – Austin Williams has quietly been really effective and is going to be really good for the Bulldogs this year. Rod Thomas emerging, um, Antonio Harman's on the team are doing a good job. So I think that this is an offense that distributes the ball to several different receivers. So there's no WR1, if you will, in a lot of cases. Uh, but I think that they have the just the supporting cast that they need and a quarterback that can distribute the ball well. And then we talk about the ascension of the offense overall. This is one of the only offensive schemes that exists in football that it seems like no matter where it goes, Small school, big school, uh, it takes it. just elevates a team. Uh, everything from Iowa Wesleyan to Washington State, we've seen teams accomplish things that they were never really supposed to um, and experience a turnaround because of the air raid being introduced there.
2: We're talking with Chrissy Freud. She covers the Mississippi State Bulldogs for Sports Illustrated. She's also air raid certified. She joins us here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row for SEC Media Days. All right, expectations. What are the realistic expectations for Mississippi State, Chrissy? Because, you know, once you get past Alabama, it seems like it's completely wide open in the West Division with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU, uh, and, you know, big question marks for Auburn. What's the realistic expectations for Mike Leach in year three?
0: This is a team that should have won nine games last year, won seven games. But when you look at the Arkansas and the Memphis game, uh, there were some crucial officiating errors that really did. You can't slice it up any other way. They affected the outcome of the game. And so this team faces the toughest schedule in the nation, but I think has also elevated and become more experienced to match that. So I'm expecting this to be a nine-win team moving forward. I think they've got some good guys in the trenches on defense, uh, what they need to get the job done on offense. So I think the team situation will be better as well. And so I think this is a team that can go out and do a lot better than they're being given credit for currently.
2: Overall in the SEC, Chrissy, how deep are the quarterbacks? I know there's a lot of unknowns, but how deep is this crop of quarterbacks currently in the conference as we head into 2022?
0: I think you've got a lot of young guys that are going to emerge and do well, but I think looking at that top five. Whenever we talk about guys like, obviously, Bryce Young's top dog, and that's not changing. A lot of people think that he could be the number one overall pick next year. But then you have Will Rogers, who could experience a really big rise this year. And then beyond that, Will Levis is another quarterback that a lot of people are putting in the top ten in the nation. Um, I have some questions just about how he's going to improve as a passer, but he's made strides to this point, brings all the physical and athletic tools you could possibly desire. And so he's another quarterback that's going to be one to watch. And then behind that, uh, Hendon Hooker has been really intriguing. We talk about his athleticism and the change in the Tennessee offense and how much of the balls of the have just grown with Josh Heupel, head coach. And then also with Arkansas coming back, and K.J. Jefferson had five games last year where he didn't touch a 60% completion rate, but then finishes the last five games of the season with a completion rate of 70% or higher. Talk to him this offseason. He's continuing to work as a passer, and I think that if he finds consistency, that's a guy who's really athletic, Really big, really hard to tackle. And so just looking at those guys, there's a lot to be excited about. And then there's questions about how good is Anthony Richardson at Florida going to be. He did a really good job uh, last year, had some questions as a passer, though. I, I think that his completion rate was under 60%, had a, a touchdown-interception ratio of 6 to 5. And so there's some to be desired there. But that's also just freshman growing pain. So I think there's a lot of guys that are really exciting that could really uh, just kind of come out of the woodwork and become national names that are on the brink of doing so right now.
2: All right, Chrissy, uh, give me your top five quarterbacks, not named Bryce Young. Well, yeah, obviously Bryce is the you know reigning Heisman winner. Go beyond that. Give me the top five quarterbacks after that, and how do you rank them?
0: As far as the SEC goes, I have Bryce Young, then Will Rogers, uh, Will Levis, and then Hendon Hooker and K.J. Jefferson. So those are, those are the five in the SEC. And then outside of the SEC, some of the guys that I'm watching are uh, Jay Kaner from Fresno State, Grayson McCall uh, from Coastal Carolina, Devin Leary from North Carolina State. I think those are all guys um, that are kind of mid-tier, middle of the pack right now that could uh, become names that are talked about a lot more.
2: Give me somebody in the Southeastern Conference, Chrissy, that could play spoiler. Obviously, it looks like it's a collision course for Alabama and Georgia, but who could possibly play spoiler for some of the other teams from having great seasons or you know, it, it just you know, kind of ruin their season, so to speak? Mississippi State has been mentioned as one of those teams that could play spoiler for a lot. Who are some others in your opinion?
0: Yeah, I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss are the ones that stand out to me. There are some question marks with Ole Miss moving forward from Matt Corral, uh, but I liked a lot of what they did last year, and then I think that they have the proper coaching staff um, in place to be a team that can be a consistent contender. And then Mississippi State, the way that the Bulldogs have risen with Mike Leach and just how good they've shown to be, on both sides of the ball and how well the things just clicked in the back half of the season. Uh, I think those are two teams that you could go into a matchup and think that you're going to beat that could really surprise people. And I thought that Mississippi State uh, did just that on several occasions. And that Ole Miss showed a lot of flashes, flashes last year as well.
2: Chrissy, I'll ask you this. You know, we spend so much time talking about quarterbacks because obviously they're the engine that runs uh, these high-powered offenses and, and Bryce Young is special. He is you know, the Heisman winner and a guy that's going to be a first-round draft pick. But could you make the argument that he's not even the best player on his own team overall, and that distinction belongs to Mr. Anderson?
0: For sure. I mean, we see a lot of mock drafts, too, where Will Anderson's number one overall pick. And Alabama is just consistently loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. This is a team that has won several national championships over recent history that's always tough to beat. And when we look at the success that they had last year, even though they fell short, um, a bad year for Alabama is not winning the title and coming up short of the title. And so I think whenever you have a team that's consistently that dominant, that means you've got a lot of good pieces in place. And I do think that Will Anderson could be the number one overall pick. And I do think there is a decent chance that he could show to be the best player on that team, especially with how young Bryce Young is and just uh, kind of, some of the issues that he's had when he's been moved off of his spot and how undersized he is. I think he's a really good quarterback, really mechanically sound, but I think that Will Anderson just overall as a player, translating to the NFL the way that we look at it right now, is the best player on that team.
2: Wrapping up our conversation here with Chrissy Freud, she covers the Mississippi State Bulldogs for Sports Illustrated. She's also a draft expert and a quarterback guru. Trust me, she's forgotten more about the quarterback position than I have ever learned. Let me ask you one more. LSU, Brian Kelly, we know he can coach. We know he can recruit. I don't think it matters if he's in the Midwest or in the South. That's my own personal take on that. I want to get your thoughts on his ability to be able to recruit down South. And also, what do you make of what's going to happen in this quarterback battle where you could legitimately have three, maybe even four guys line up as the starting quarterback for the Bayou Bengals?
0: Yeah, I think he spoke a lot to the importance of recruiting the state of Louisiana um, at media days. And so I think that's something that he's got a lot of focus on and that I think he'll do a good job of. And it's kind of started a little bit. And then when I look at the quarterback competition, um, LSU is kind of lackluster in my opinion with its more experienced guys. Jaden Daniels really good athletically, but I think that there's a lot to be desired as a pure passer. So that's going to be something to watch, especially throughout the fall. I think that Miles Brennan, as a, is above average in pretty much every aspect of quarterbacking, but just has not risen to the occasion. I thought that whenever he came out initially as a starter, before he started getting better, uh, just wasn't who he needed to be at the time, and so I think that he brings an element of experience that makes him more of a safe bet, but then when you talk about who has the high ceiling in this room, it's the younger guys. It's Garrett Nussmeyer. it's Walker Howard. Uh, Walker Howard stole the show at the Manning Passing Academy. There's a lot of people that think that he's going to be the future of this team, so I think whenever we look at who's who has the best long-term outlook? It's a really tight race between Garrett Nussmeyer and Walker Howard, and so I think that Garrett Nussmeyer has a chance to take this competition. I think that he's received a lot of good uh, comments, just from Brian Kelly, are the most positive, and so I think that with just a slight amount of it, between a slight amount of experience in the ceiling, that he's my favorite option right now. Uh, but I could also see a potential for a rotating quarterback system. I think there will definitely at least be some packages for Jaden Daniels. Uh, so the way that I see it is that if you want the safe bet, which they might do, is to go bring Miles Brennan out as a starter to start the season and then introduce Jaden Daniels at times. But when I when it comes to my favorite, what I would do, I would roll with Garrett Nussmeyer, even though there's some risk involved and still some growing pains he has to go through.
2: Chrissy, appreciate your time, as always. Tell the people, please, if you can, where they can follow you on social media and where they can go to read your latest work, and in particular, all the stuff that you've done for SEC Media Days.
0: Yeah, so Chrissy underscore Floyd is my Twitter account, and then that's where pretty much all my my stuff is. And then as far as the the quarterback things go, a lot of that's between Sports Illustrated and NBC Sports Edge, and then all the SEC Media Days coverage is going to live on Sports Illustrated for this week and beyond.
2: Chrissy, appreciate your time. Congratulations on the additions to your household. Can't wait to talk to you again once we get closer to the season. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your summer.
0: Absolutely, you as well.
2: That's Chrissy Freud, covers Mississippi State. She's Air Raid certified, talking quarterbacks, talking the SEC. Appreciate her making the time. Right now we've got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show will update the poll question of the day. And producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names will make her pitch for what her favorite go-to road snack is. She gave us 1,872 different options earlier with her tweet. I'm going to make her pair down to at least, you know, only two. Only two Five Names. So that'll be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
1: time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 21st 2002 with the record six races remaining Michael Schumacher clinches his fifth F1 World Drivers Championship with a victory in the French Grand Prix. That was this day in sports history we now return to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station
2: Oh, I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for joining us today on this jam-packed Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company. Of course, Jack Besh, former STM Cougar and current LSU star wide receiver, Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart, Marty N. McGee, host Ryan McGee, Peach Bowl CEO Gary Stokin and SI Bulldogs reporter Chrissy Freud for joining us. Our final results of our poll question of the day. What's your go-to road trip snack? It's our foodie poll question of the week. And the winner was jerky with 49% of the vote. 26% of you said chips. 16% said other. 9% says candy. I say beef jerky is the uh, the. My favorite road trip snack As Robert Dupleschan also Shared that information while commenting On the poll question Martin says can't beat some good boudin and cracklins And Pepperjack jack balls you cannot That is correct Martin You are correct in your statement there my friend Alright producer extraordinaire We got about 30 seconds Give us your reason for your road trip snack
0: Alright so I'll have to pick So always eat something sweet something salty So of course top is Pickles chips Only the Lays. Everything else just does not taste right. And my sweet is usually Reese's, but I also tie with Charleston shoes because they're a, like, parade memory favorite of mine.
2: Once again, you gave 1,872 different options. I respect your commitment to getting as many options as possible in on the poll question of the day, producer extraordinaire. Thank you so much, Hannah. That's going to do it for this edition of RP3 and Company. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next, but until tomorrow when we close out shop here on Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame, y'all stay safe out there, be kind to one another, and you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers.